Go ahead and get your Bibles out or your phone or whatever you use to follow along. Get ready to take some notes. We're in a series called Exposing the Lies. Exposing Lies. How many guys know it's pretty fun to kick the devil in the teeth, isn't it? <laughs> Expose some of the lies. And so we're going to continue to do that. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you so much for being in this place. We just thank you. Spirit, that you're leading us, that your presence is here. Jesus, we thank you for, for salvation, for the gift of, of grace. And, and we're just so thankful to just be here together. And so tonight, as we talk about your word, and we, we know that it's living, it's active, that it's going to change lives tonight, we speak that out in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to go to a, a unique passage of Scripture in Haggai chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. And when the Bible says consider your ways, it's time to think about it, right? <laughs> consider your ways. You've sown much and harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. How many of you guys have ever felt like this financially? <laughs> you get money from a job and all of a sudden you put it in a bag, you put it in your bank account, it's like, where did it go, right? Where, it's just filled with holes. How many of you guys ever feel like this relationally? Like you're investing in a relationship and it just seems like no matter how much you invest, it seems like there's nothing in there. Can I get a show of hands tonight? All right, all right. that's how we feel sometimes, maybe even in the activities of our life. I remember a uh, a personal friend of mine had a crisis one time, and, and uh, I, I, man, I sacrificed family time. I went and stayed with him till midnight, and I'm just talking through and all this stuff. And shortly after that, I was, I was accused of not being there for them. You know, how many you guys know those types of things are painful? How many of you guys have ever been in a situation like that? Another situation, uh, we cut our family vacation short to come back to somebody who was in a crisis. And shortly after that, they just pretty much walked out of our lives. Another situation when, years ago when we didn't have hardly any money and I had saved a $100 bill in my wallet, just kind of like as a faith thing. It was like all we had, you know, basically. And I was just like, God, multiply this thing. Have you guys ever do that before? It's like, I multiply this thing, Lord. And it was just there as a faith thing for me. And a, an old, old friend of mine from high school came and just, just started to tell about how bad his situation was and just how he was out of everything, out of, you know, food getting kicked out of his, all, everything. Just bad, bad, bad. He just needed just a little bit. And so there I am with, like, my family's only money. And so I just felt like, well, I've got the money right here. I'm just going to give him the $100 bill. So I gave him the $100 bill and Shortly after that, I, real, I found out that he had been going from person to person, conning them out of money. He even conned his own mother out of money and ended up going to jail for it. How do you guys know, those are, I could just go on and on and on of situations like that where it feels like you're investing and you're putting your money in, you're putting your time in, you're investing relationally, and it just seems like you, you don't have any return on the investment, at least in the immediate. And so that causes me personally, just in the natural, to pull back from those situations, to withdraw from those situations because it's like a bag full of holes. Now, the thing is, we as believers, Jesus laid a foundation for us. He, he said, basically at the very elemental level of what we're supposed to be doing is what? Is loving our neighbor as ourself. How much more simple can it be than that? And yet, Many times, I don't know if you're like me, but many times I find myself wanting to pull back from that 
that very thing that Jesus laid out. It's, and, and most of the time it, it comes in different forms. It comes in forms like I just mentioned or it comes in other forms like when somebody gets the promotion that you don't get. Isn't there something in you that's kind of like, what, what? they don't deserve that. Or, or maybe somebody gets something better than you have, whatever it is. And something in us pulls back from that because we, we, we start to feel like, I mean, let alone helping them, like loving our neighbor as ourselves. Can I, is anybody feeling what I feel at times? Do you know what I'm talking about or I'm just preaching to myself tonight? That's all right. I'll preach to myself if I need to. But I just want to know if I'm talking to anybody. And so experiences like that in our life cause us to buy into this lie that we want to deal with tonight. And here's the lie. When I give, I have less. When I give, I have less. Now you say, well, wait a minute, Sean. I mean, if you gave that $100, then you have less. When I give my time, I have less time. When I, yeah, before we get into that, before I debunk that uh, lie, I, I want to get into the motivation behind it. I want to get into the mindset and go behind the scenes of this lie to see why it is that we believe that and how it is that we can overcome that. And so uh, to do that, I want to just ask a question. How many of you guys are old enough or maybe you heard about the flood of 93? How many of you guys remember that? The flood of 93. All right, some of you guys, how many of you guys weren't born by that time, just go ahead and raise your hand. But how many of you guys who weren't born have heard of the flood of 93? Just a very few of you, okay? The flood of 93. I remember the flood of 93. I missed the flood of 93 because at that point our family was down in Texas. We were missionaries to Mexico for the whole year of 93. I know it was devastating. I wasn't here, but we missed it. And I can tell you as a kid, honestly, I was disappointed. Because I don't know about you guys, but there's something in me that wants to survive at least one major disaster in my life. I mean, I want to go through a tornado. I want to go through a hurricane. I want to go through a flood. You know, I want to have that moment that say I survived the blizzard of or the flood of or the hurricane of, whatever it is. Yeah, I know we don't have hurricanes here, but if we did, I'd want to go through it just so I could say I survived it. Now, that may be crazy. I mean, most of you guys who, who weren't alive during that time, you'd be insta-storing it, right? I mean, you'd just be playing right along. Uh, is that what that's called? Okay. Um, here's what happens in a disaster, though. In a disaster, something, a mindset sets in, and it's a scarcity mindset. Do you know the first thing that would happen if there was a blizzard coming this winter, which I'm not prophesying that, by the way, okay? Just sit, just rest easy. But if there was a blizzard coming and the weather people got on there and they weren't faking it this time, but they were actually right that there was a blizzard coming, you know the first thing that would happen? The first thing that would happen is, is Price Chopper over here. There'd be a run on Price Chopper. You know, all the bottled water would be gone. How do you guys know that all the shelves would be cleared off, right? I mean, within an hour or two of that news breaking out of a major storm coming, you know the shelves would be cleared, right? How many of you guys have ever done that before? You heard a storm was coming in. It's like, we better go to the store and we better stock up. How many of you guys have done that before? You made your trip? Yeah, but in a major disaster when there's limited time, man, the stores go, they go, they go silent because everything is gone. Now, the point is this, a shortage and a scarcity mindset leads to hoarding. And looting. 
Whenever you have a scarcity mindset, it leads to hoarding things and to looting other people's things. So why is this important for us tonight? Again, our lie is when I give, I have less. A scarcity mindset, which is exactly what it's like to buy into that lie, causes us to hold tightly to everything we currently have. Because we, there's something in us that doesn't trust that God could give us something else or something more. A scarcity mindset leads to hoarding or looting. That means going after what someone else has. So soliciting what someone else has. See, this happens in the area of, of a storm and supplies. This happens with, with money even. Sometimes we, we will hoard money or we'll try to go after what somebody else has. But this goes into other areas of our life. Do you realize that this can go into areas of our emotions? This can go into areas of, of every area of our life. And, and, and here's the thing. Sometimes a painful memory of lack in the past causes us not to be generous now. And if you're hoarding something or looting someone else's something, it's probably tied to a memory or some sting you've had in the past. Listen, if you're out soliciting encouragement all the time, compliments, going after money, or status, all of these things, trying to hoard them up, if you're stingy with those things, it's because somewhere in the past there has been a scarcity mindset that says, I'm not going to have enough. I've got to keep what I have or go after something that somebody else has. Well, I'm preaching some strong truth tonight, right? So we've been stung by lack somewhere. You guys know that lack can sting. So I'm, I'm going to show you a video just to illustrate this. This is a video I showed a few years ago, but it really sets up what it's like for us to deal with and to wrestle with this lie. So let's watch. This is my cat and the horse. I don't know why the cat just ran right up there. Got electrocuted. Are you sure? <laughs> I think so. I heard a shock. <laughs> Something connected. He gone. No, no, no. It's on. That would be a pretty good shock for the cat, though. Now Kit wants it. Well, hey, what's the obsession? This was all alone. He got left behind.
Why'd they leave her behind? I wonder if the cat's okay. <laughs> Alright. The point is this. There is a point. I never saw him near that horse ever again. I can tell you that right now. Because when we get stung, we remember that. We don't ever go back. Now, Scarcity mindset says, hey, you better hang on to all you've got. You better, you're, we're afraid to let something go out of our life. We're afraid to, to give. We're afraid to serve. We're afraid to whatever. And it's usually because there's been a sting of lack or fill in the blank. Any, any area of your life, this applies to somewhere in our life. Now, Jesus said something really interesting about this, about this topic, about this lie. When I give, I have less. And it's found actually in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It says, in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you guys know sometimes it's easier to believe in Jesus than to actually believe Jesus, right? He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, he's saying this. Listen to what he's saying. Hoarders have less, or hoarders have less, givers have more. Let me say that again. Hoarders have less, givers have more. That's the paradox in the kingdom of God. Those who, have, those who give will have more. That's the paradox of the kingdom. Now, usually when we think about this subject, we usually think about it just in terms of money. It's more blessed to give than receive. But it applies to all areas of our life. It applies to relationships. It applies to everything in our life. And so what I want to do is I want to look at a story in the Bible. I want to look at a guy that many of us don't really talk about too much. And it's a guy named Barnabas. How many of you guys have heard of Barnabas? Anybody heard of Barnabas? All right, let's look at the story of Barnabas because Barnabas understood something that we need to. There's a key in Barnabas' life that we need to put in our own life. And so Acts chapter 9 starts off by saying that Saul is murdering Christians. <laughs> it's kind of a deep, dark chapter to start off with. He's murdering Christians. Then Saul has an encounter with Jesus. He gets saved and then God begins to uh, work on his heart, change his life. But verse 26, it says, And when he'd come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. How many of you guys would be afraid of him too? <laughs> I mean, at the start of the chapter, he's killing people. He gets quote-unquote saved. Is he really saved? Does he really know Jesus? Or is he just trying to sneak in and do some damage? And so no one really wanted him to join them because they were afraid of him. But Barnabas, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to them and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Skip down to one of my favorite verses, just a few verses later in the Bible. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and were being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. The church is thriving. But you know what happened? It took Barnabas putting his arm around Saul, around Paul, and leading him in. And then the church started to explode. Listen, Barnabas was willing to risk something. He was willing to give something. 
He was willing to risk his own reputation in front of all the other believers. He was willing to put his arm around an an unknown factor. He was willing to give, to open up his hand to someone else, to use his integrity and his reputation and his good standing, and he spent it all on an unknown because he wanted to give to somebody else. They became a partner in ministry for many, many years. Interesting thing in the Bible, many times at the very start of the book of Acts, or when you see Barnabas' name, Barnabas and Saul, and Paul rather, they became partners in ministry. And at the beginning of the story, as it unfolds, you'll hear it, you'll, you'll see it as you're reading it, it'll say Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul. You know what happens as you begin to read? Pretty soon it says Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas was a guy that was okay stepping to the side to lift someone else up. He was okay being the guy, not, that even, if, even if Paul was going to end up doing more than he, he could do, he was willing to give because he understood something. He, did, he wasn't buying into the lie that when I give, I have less. He began to give anyway. And so they became partners. He gave his reputation. He gave access to Paul, to the disciples. He gave access to Paul to a stage that Paul could not have otherwise. He spent his reputation on Paul. He was wasn't thinking someday, well, well, someday if I do this for Paul, then someday, like 2,000 years from now, this guy named Sean is still going to be preaching about me. I'm going to get my name in this book called the Bible, which we don't even know what that is yet, but I'm going to, he wasn't doing any of that. He was just a guy who understood the heart of God. He was a guy who understood that, that he didn't have to buy into this lie. And I'll just say it even stronger. Without a Barnabas, there wouldn't have been a Paul. And yet there's no book of First Barnabas. <laughs> there's no book that he wrote. He lived life in real time, being willing to spend his life for the sake of another. Instead of hanging on to, to well, this is my territory, this is my ministry, this is my thing, this is my money, this is my whatever, You know what he did? He celebrated someone else. He lifted up someone else. He was so secure that he could watch Paul be on the stage while he encouraged him. Can we celebrate other things, the the successes of other people? Can we be that generous that it doesn't have to be all about us? Can we be that, that secure that we can celebrate genuinely, not just externally, but internally when someone has something good happen in their life. That's what Barnabas understood. That's what he got. Paul ends up saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15, Paul says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? He said, I will gladly spend and be spent Do you realize that following Jesus is an invitation to something bigger than yourself? Following Jesus is an invitation to something beyond yourself. Is there a place in our hearts tonight where that idea resonates with us? Or have we become so saturated in our self, uh, our, our, our self, 
fulfilling society where everything's got to be about us and our fulfillment and our success and our climbing up the ladder and, uh, and our, our likes. Are we so consumed with that that there's no part of us that resonates that, man, our life, this invitation to follow Jesus is all an invitation to be bigger than ourselves, beyond ourselves. Paul says, I will spend and be spent. You know what? I don't think that was Paul's original idea. I think he got that idea by Barnabas' example on his own life. He said, you know what Barnabas did? Barnabas spent his reputation on me. He spent his time on me. He decided, Barnabas was most likely Paul's discipler. Spend and be spent. I believe that came from Barnabas' example. In, in fact, Barnabas got this down so well in Acts chapter 4 when we first see the mention of Barnabas. It says that like when everybody's selling stuff and putting it in a big pile and everybody's being generous and all that stuff, he's listed as the guy who sold his land and gave all no strings attached. He got this idea down. He understood. Here's the cool thing, though. Barnabas is not even his real name. You go back and you read Acts chapter 4. This guy's name is Joseph. But since he was so encouraging to every person he met, since he was so willing to lift someone else up, do you know what the disciples did? They gave him the nickname of Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. How would you like your life to be so marked, not by who you were born as, but who you became? Your life could be so marked by how encouraging you are to other people, so much so that all the disciples in that day just called him Mr. Encouragement. I mean, imagine he walked in the room, hey, there comes Mr. Encouragement. Mr. Encouragement would just walk around. He'd go on a missionary journey. He'd come back, hey, there's Mr. Encouragement. His name was Joseph, but they called him Mr. Encouragement. That's so cool. He understood. What would, a, what would possess a guy like Barnabas who could have been the Paul? He could have been in the limelight. He could have had the stage. He could have done all of these things. He could have got the photo credit or whatever you want to call it. He understood the truth rather than the lie. So what's the truth? Okay, let's look at the truth. We've been smashing this lie. What's the truth? Let's watch. So if the lie is, when I give, I have less, what is the truth? Here's the truth that Barnabas understood that we've got to get down as well. And it's this, though it leaves my hand, it doesn't leave my life. Though I let time out of my hand, it, it doesn't leave my life because I'm investing in others. I'm investing in the kingdom. Though I let money and I give uh, into the kingdom, though it leaves my hand, it doesn't leave my life because I'm, I'm sowing and reaping. And this idea of sowing and reaping is God's idea. It's not our idea. Though, though I, I lend my reputation or I open up a stage in my life to someone else to stand on, guess what? It doesn't leave, it doesn't leave my life. Why? Because it leaves a legacy. So the Bible's full of this. The Bible understands this and gives us examples of this. We see this from the woman who poured perfume on Jesus and Jesus said she's going to be talked about forever. We can see this in Acts chapter 10 about Cornelius and his offering went up as a memorial. We just see it all throughout scripture. In fact, the kingdom of God is much like that. We see that in, in Mark chapter 4 verse 26. It says, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, but he knows not how. So here's my garden. We're actually here in the fall getting ready for 
the harvest next fall. How? We're, we're tilling up the ground. We're letting it, it'll sit here all winter long. And then in the spring, we'll, come spring, we'll plant seeds in the ground. And then we'll wait. We won't get the harvest yet, but we'll wait all the way till one year from now where we will start to get the harvest again. Why? Because that's the picture of the kingdom of God. The seed goes in the ground. It leaves our hand. But we're, we, don't, we know it doesn't leave our life because we're expecting a harvest. That's what the kingdom of God is like. When we invest in other people, that's what it's like. Though it leaves our hand, it doesn't leave our life. We're expecting a harvest. And by the way, we're expecting much more than what we plant. We're expecting, even though we plant a little seed in someone's life, we're expecting a bigger harvest. Though we plant a little seed in our kid's life, we expect a big harvest. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Barnabas understood this so well that he understood, he committed himself to three things. Write these three things down. Barnabas committed himself, first of all, that he was going to add value. He wasn't going to just give opinions, but he was going to add value. Wherever he was, he was going to give people what they couldn't have on their own. Paul needed Barnabas to pour in something that Paul didn't have. The second thing is that he was going to be an access giver. He was going to open up doors for Paul that Paul couldn't open up on his own. He was going to introduce him to the right resources, the right people, the right experiences. By the way, parents, we've got to introduce our kids to these things, not the right sport, even though that's fine, but introduce them more importantly to the right people, the right resources, the right experiences, and ultimately to the father. And then finally, he committed himself to act now. He wasn't just talk. He was going to act when he had the opportunity. I love what Craig Groeschel said at the marriage conference we did. I believe it was last year. He said, when I think of something good, I'm going to do it. When I think of something right to say, I'm going to say it. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to do it then. Don't you know it's so much easier to talk ourselves out of obeying God than into obeying God? Have you ever experienced that? It's so much easier for us to talk ourselves out and to kind find all these reasons why we can't rather than all these reasons why we can. Barnabas understood that he was going to commit himself to add value, to be an access giver, and to act whenever he was prompted by the Holy Spirit. See, sowing and reaping is not just a good idea, it's a God idea. And we've got to understand that though it leaves our hand, it never leaves our life. You know, when, when I was back as a youth pastor, we were part of a, a large, large church. I mean, there were thousands of people in the church. We were really the biggest church in town. And I remember gathering with some youth pastors. And, and it always seemed like there was this friction between us and other churches. It always seemed like, you know, since we were the biggest thing in town, that people kind of kept us at arm's length. And, and it kept, you know, turf wars and competition. And we knew that's not the way it was supposed to be, but that's just kind of how it happened. And it, that really frustrated me back then. And so when we started the church and we came down here, I, I knew that we didn't want to be that way. And I began to look for opportunities uh, to reach out. In fact, just recently, uh, there's another church planter that's coming into the area that's going to launch a church in January. And so I just heard about him and somebody gave me his number. And so I reached out to him. I said, hey, let's get together. Let's, let's get to know one another. And so we met and we had coffee and we're fast becoming friends now uh, as he's getting ready to to launch here in the Northland. And so I, as I talked to him, he said, you know what? 
Sean, you're the only pastor that reached out to me. And I thought, man, that's, that's so sad. We don't want to be that way. We want to be different than that. And so there's another pastor in town that uh, just a couple miles from our church. And I just met with him this past week and texted me, you know, texted me and said, hey, do you have time to meet? I really didn't have time to meet, but I knew it was important. So I cleared my schedule. I said, I'm going to add value. I'm going to be an access giver. I'm going to act now. And so I cleared my schedule and met with him. And we started talking through uh, these situations that were really, really challenging going on in the church. And so I just said, hey, if you need anything, if you need a worship leader temporarily, if you need somebody to come in to preach, if you need uh, somebody to pray for you guys, if you need whatever you need, we will be here to do that. Why? Because we are the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. And that's what we do. We serve one another. Though it leaves our hand, it doesn't leave our life. So that's what the kingdom of God is like. We sow, we reap, we plant, we do all of these things. We do it by faith. We sow in faith. We act in faith. We reap. We, we sow as if we've already reaped. Though it leaves our hand, it doesn't leave our life. Amen. Let's just take just a moment. Let's just pray for some other churches in our city. Can we do that just right now? Lord, we just thank you, God, that we can lock arms with what you're, you are doing in this city. And so, Lord, we just pray for, I just pray specifically for pastors that I know that are on my mind right now. And I just pray for them, Lord, that you'd strengthen them, strengthen churches, Lord, so we can just kick the devil in the teeth and we can see the kingdom of God advance in Jesus' name. Amen. Though it leaves my hand, it never leaves my life. Listen. Here's a question. This is the meat of all of this, guys. This is, where, this is the, what's going to allow you to do this or not allow you to do this. Here's the question. Who is your source? Who's your source? Scarcity mindset leads us to hoarding because we have a worldly supplier with a scarcity mindset. Leads us to hoard what we have, to hoard who we are, because we're trusting in a worldly supplier. When there, you have a worldly supplier, there's scarcity. When you have a heavenly supplier, there's abundance. We have a heavenly supplier of all the joy that we need, the, the, the finances that we need. You know, we, we have all access to God. God can give whatever he needs to give us. We can have, your supplier, here's the thing, your supplier determines your capacity. Your supplier will ultimately determine the, your level of generosity. Your supplier will ultimately determine your level of risk tolerance. Your supplier matters. And if you have a worldly suppliers, you're, you're going to have a scarcity mindset and you're going to have a hoarding mindset. Who is our source? We know this scripture, but let's just let this rock us like it's the first time we've heard it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's not my job that supplies my needs. It's not my friends that supplies my needs. It's not relationships that supply my needs. It's not my marriage. It's, not, it's my God who supplies my need. Who is my source? He supplies my joy. He supplies my encouragement. He supplies my influence. He supplies my platform. He supplies my promotion. He supplies all of that. I don't have to worry about that because I'm one of his kids. 
I mean, I live in the Father's house. Your supplier matters. Listen, if I had an unla- if I had a blank check to go into an outfitter to the thrift store <laughs> as my supply, you know, that'd be fine, but it'd be a limited supply, wouldn't it? But if I have a blank check to go to Amazon.com, Man, I don't have to, I don't have to work. I mean, I can just, I can order cookies and they'll bring, bring them by a drone to my door. You know, it's like whatever I want. Some of us think of God like he's just a thrift store. So we're hanging on to the little bit we've got. I don't know if God has any more of that. I don't know. They took the last one. Your supplier matters. Do we trust God with the long game of our life? Do we trust God with the promotion of our life? Do we trust God with the place we're at in life? Do we trust God as our enough? Do we trust God as our source? See, your supplier matters. Matthew chapter uh, 10, verse 8 says this. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. You can only give what you've received. And if you've cut off the supplier, you have nothing to give. Freely give, freely receive. I'm going to have the worship team come back up and I'm going to give you an action step. No, I'm going to give you four action steps. Is that all right? Four action steps, okay? Four action steps. The first one is this. You guys might write this down, get your phone out, whatever it is. First action step is is this. Get a name. Because right now, even as I've been preaching, many of you know a person in your life right now that you're their Barnabas. You're supposed to be sharing Christ with them. You're supposed to be extending your reputation for them. You're supposed to be putting your arm around them. You're supposed to be bringing an encouraging word in due season. You're supposed to be cheering them on for the promotion. You're supposed to be being the Barnabas to them. Get the name. Write that down. Could be a spouse. Could be a family member. Could be a coworker. Could be somebody that you see every day just going through life. Get a name. Second one's going to be a little more challenging. Get an amount. Get an amount. Why do I say that? Because many of you also know that God is dealing with you to give, and I mean financially. And the reason I say it this way is because Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You want your heart to be in the kingdom, you got to have your treasure in the kingdom. And, and God may be dealing with some of you to, to start the biblical practice of tithing. You haven't been a tither. You just, you're like, I don't know, because you've bought into the lie, when I give, I have less, instead of the truth that, though it leaves my hand, it never leaves my life. Maybe you're supposed to give to our building fund. Maybe you're supposed to Uh, give to some ministry God's laid on your heart. Maybe there's some family member that that God is directing you to give to or some person that you know of in your life. Whatever it is, I'm not going to fill in the blank for you. But get an amount. Make sure it's not your amount. Make sure it's his amount. 
Third thing is this, get a next step. Because even though you have a name and you have an amount, you may not think of what's next because sometimes we just kind of go through the most, oh, I've heard a great sermon, I'm all inspired, I got all this, you know, oh man, all this great stuff, I want to go do something. Okay, what are you doing next? Is it a conversation you need to have, a check you need to write, a person you need to visit? What's the very next thing that you need to do? And then finally, give honor. Because many of you know, as I've been talking, you can think of a Barnabas in your life. You can think of somebody who's invested in you. Maybe it's even from afar. Maybe it's somebody you admire. Maybe it's somebody who is very close to you. Maybe it's somebody in this season or a past season. Give honor. Maybe it's time you thank them or honor them in some way. Because you know you wouldn't be where you are without them. There are people in my life that I can think about from my past and even real time right now. Then I'm thinking, man, they, they invested in me. They put their arm around me. I heard a sermon from them. They gave me a gift at this time. They gave me a word. At the, I can think of countless examples of somebody who decided that they were going to not buy into the lie that when I give, I have less. But they were going to say, though it leaves my hand, it never leaves my life. And I'm going to put my arm around this person. I'm going to give them a platform that I could have had. I'm going to lift them up when I could have lifted myself up. There's people like that in our life. Freely you've received, freely give. What did Jesus do for us? Jesus added value to us. He gave us what we couldn't have. He was an access giver. He gave us access to the Father. He gave us access to right standing. He acted now. It wasn't talk, but he acted giving all. That's what Jesus did for us. Freely we've received, freely give. You don't have to, listen, in your relationships or your life or whatever, you don't have to be the first to give encouragement because you know why? You have a heavenly supply. You don't have to get encouragement to give it. You can be Mr. Encouragement, Mrs. Encouragement. You don't have to, you, you, you say, well, well what, about, what about my time? I mean, I only have so much time. Listen, when, when out of obedience, by faith, you give of your time, guess what? You have a heavenly supply for everything that you need. So what about my money? I don't have, I, I'm looking at the numbers. Listen, when out of obedience, you give by faith, you have a heavenly supply for everything that you need. Freely you've received, freely give. So we're, gonna, we're just going to end tonight by receiving communion. We're, there's tables in back and there's tables in front. And, and we're just going to come. We're just going to remember what Jesus did for us. We're going to remember as we come to the table and we, we take the cup, which represents the blood of Jesus that was spilled for us. When we take the, the cracker, which represents the body that was broken for us, we're going to remember as we come and we grab these and we come back to our seat and we sit there and we have a moment before God. You know what we're going to do? We're just going to have a little reset moment. We're just going to remind ourselves that Jesus is our source. That Jesus is our Savior. That Jesus paid the price. That Jesus is our supplier. We're going to celebrate that He took our sin. He took our place. That He set us free. That freely we've received and He empowers us to freely give. 
And so as we do that, we're just going to worship during a song. You, you'll come to the table, you'll grab the elements, you'll come back and you'll sit there in your seat. And I just want you just to have a moment there with God. And sometime during that song, just receive communion right there with God. Take the time that you need. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Remind yourself that Jesus is your supply. Remind yourself that Jesus is all that you need. Remind yourself that he is still on the throne no matter what you're going through right now. That you don't have a limited supplier, but you have a heavenly supplier. Can we all stand up as we pray? Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness and for your grace. We thank you that as we give of our time, of our resources, in serving or helping someone else or of our money or whatever it is, Lord, that this principle of sowing and reaping, it just multiplies it. And it multiplies it back to us, I believe, so that we can be even more of a blessing to other people. And that's what I speak over us today, that we would have multiplied blessings so that we can be blessing multipliers, so that we can just continue to give, to serve, to love, to take people under our arm and to, to lift them up just like you did for us. We thank you for your sacrifice that you took our sin, you took our place, you rose from the dead. We have victory because of you. And we celebrate that tonight. We remind ourselves of that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's receive.